gorillas is coming. missed us i'm sure here we are after like five weeks off yes we're bringing you a whole bunch of episodes that we've worked really hard on and continue to work hard on uh and we're just really 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 excited for what's to come yes so right off the top we want to amp up your excitement and you should listen to every single episode that ever happens Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. If you have forgotten us while we've been away, I'm Kira May. And I'm Tara Canangera. And we are Grillith. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're the grills. The grills of Grillith. That's Fair. right. We don't know what Grillith is. Yeah. Maybe that will be revealed soon. Yes. <laughs> with your help. Yeah. <sighs> What's this month been like for you, Tara? It's a month of new beginnings. I'm coming out of that hazy fog of August and my body's adjusting to this gradual temperature change. I don't know what to wear because sometimes I'm a little too hot and sometimes I'm a little too cold. It's a bit disquieting. September. Yeah. (laughs) You have to bring all your clothes because you know, like in the morning and the evening, you need them. It's you need true. to be naked in the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many different types of clothes are being worn right now. But that's not a real complaint. I have to say that this summer has been really wonderful. And our hiatus was pretty great, I think. We had time to just chill out, work on ourselves. My skin is a little darker. I tan. As a as a brown lady, I get even browner in the sun. It takes about five seconds <laughs> even i am darker and you that are is quite the feat <laughs> <laughs> it takes me a long time i am very white <laughs> yes she is that is that finnish and irish blood <laughs> mixed together aren't you also some other mystical thing really just english irish and finnish that's my background. Um, and the background of this summer is that it was very busy for me. Uh, so I'm, I feel like the fall is bringing in a, a big reset, a big change in my life. Tara and I are currently laying on the floor in my empty living room that has no furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, my, my housing situation has... Uh, things have been cleared out so that new energies may come through Mm -hmm. and it's a new beginning for me my house did a lot of work on my album i'm really excited to share more of that as time goes on and we're just cooking up some tasty treats in the grillith kitchen yes delicious all vegan cures a vegan if, uh, no meat allowed. Yeah, if listeners didn't know. 
I say it every time. Because <laughs> uh, vegans, they don't love anything more than talking about veganism. <laughs> Anyways, before we introduce our super cool Grinch review, um, maybe a couple announcements. One is that Nuit Blanche is coming up in Toronto. It's on October 5th in the night. It's, uh, if you don't know, which I don't know who doesn't know about it at this point, <laughs> but uh, it's a, an art festival across the city from sunset to sunrise. And Tara and I are doing two performances together at the Aga Khan Museum at around midnight or 1230 or something mm-hmm. is when we're doing the first one. Um, and we're just going to be doing some experimental shit. It's going to be really cool. Uh, just the two of us. And um, I think we're also going to be guests on um, CIUT that evening at around 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just having an old-fashioned grill time. Um, but hosted by someone else. Yes. <laughs> um, so come to the Aga Khan Museum. We're playing in a yurt. <laughs> We are playing in a yurt. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be my first yurt. It's my first yurt, too. Yeah. New beginnings. New beginnings. Come to our yurt. Hear us. We're playing two sets. Um, and I think it'll be really beautiful and cool. Mm-hmm. Lots of energy and synergy. Synergy. Good word. Other piece of news. <laughs> we are having a contest. Yes. Very exciting. Do you listen to Grillith? Do you like prizes? <laughs> do you want to participate? Well, this is what you got to do, folks. You got to draw what you think is a Grillith. So we want to find our own mascot, and we're calling it the Grillith, the Grillith monster. And this monster can look however you want it to look. And we want you to send your drawings through your Instagram to our Instagram or to our email address, grillithfair at gmail.com. And just what you think a Grillith monster is. It could be beautiful. It could be hideous. It could be both. In fact, it should be both. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, this is like, I guess, a drawing competition. Yes. If you can't draw, we don't care. <laughs> Send your interpretation of Grillith. <laughs> yes, please do. And we will be choosing a winner um, at some point. We've been fi- I guess it depends how many we get. <laughs> We're hoping for we want at a least lot. one or two. We want a lot. Send your drawings, but could be that the one that makes us laugh the most wins. Yeah. You know? And we'll be posting some finalists as well. Like we, I think we're going to give some love to a few of the monsters. That I want to give love to all the monsters. Yeah. Or princesses or whatever they are. So do you think that you know what Grillith looks like? Well, then show us. <laughs> Send it our way. Grillithfair at gmail.com, like Tara said, or at Grillithfair on Instagram. We want to see what's inside of your brains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. And uh, there will be fun prizes to be announced at a later date. But start working on those drawings. Mm-hmm. And I mean you. <laughs> so our first Grinch review back from break is very exciting we were super stoked to talk to Leia Faye 
who is of July Talk fame. Um, she's also been in a movie called Diamond Tongues, which we did not talk about at all. We didn't. Because we talked about so many other things. Yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a pretty in-depth interview. Yeah, and she's very much a mentor and um, all-around fabulous person. So we're super stoked to share this interview with you all. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of really awesome things um, to say about the Me Too movement that's obviously still on everyone's minds. It's still pervasive in our culture, which is a good thing. Something that I mentioned that I briefly touched upon, which I didn't really go into much detail about, was Anita Hill, who was a lawyer who accused Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas of sexual assault. And uh, I implore anyone to take a look at that point in history when it comes to women facing their abusers and not being listened to, but also making an impact somehow because there actually were people listening. There were many, many people that saw what happened to her and became, or I guess garnered the strength to uh, speak up about their abuse and slowly but steadily the tide started to turn so I again implore anyone to take a look at these points in history and of course these are not the only ones there are many 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 so um, uh, take a look and enjoy this great interview with Leia Faye yeah. boop I love your hair. I wanted oh, to say hey. that when you walked in and then I didn't say it, but I want to say it now. It's gorgeous. Hey, thanks. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. To switch it up. Yeah. Because last time I saw you, it was super long. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like waist length or something. Pretty long. Yeah. But this is sweet. I yeah. couldn't pull off. Anyone uh, can. It's really, <laughs> it's really just a thing where you become a face. You're just a face. The second mm. you shave your head. And I don't think anyone really feels comfortable. I don't know anyone who feels comfortable enough with their face to be like, I would look amazing with a shaved head. (laughs) It's definitely (laughs) not how I felt. Yeah. How did you feel once all the the locks of hair were gone? um, I felt really good. I felt like myself. I think when I was a kid, I had super short hair. When I was four, I had just like kind of a quote-unquote boy haircut Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh and I loved it so much and I remember it started growing in and I went to the hairdresser and it was like this grown out kind of weird mess of hair and they cut it into a bob Mm -hmm. and I remember crying (laughs) and (gasps) wanting it back to the way it was and I kept trying to pull my hair back up and say I want it like this. <laughs> I want it like this and say shorter. Yeah. But I was four and d- didn't know how to communicate that properly. And so they just put a hair clip in it. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, no, <laughs> not like this. I think also my mom had short hair growing up uh, when I was growing up. And she would always kind of like uh, get mad at the patriarchy and then shave her head. Wow. And so... Yeah, and so it was just something that felt really normal. And losing all the hair was kind of like, I feel like myself. And then 
hearing I don't know and then like seeing people say things online or like having it become a point of attention was what made it feel like an issue all of a sudden (laughs) whereas when I first I went to this great salon called uh, Vacancy Project in New York City and there's this uh, hairdresser there named Masami Hosono and they specialize in uh, like gender neutral hair cutting which is uh, just the idea that you know there's no such thing as like a men's haircut and that's one price and a woman's mm. haircut and that's another price mm-hmm. because normally women have to pay more for mm-hmm. haircutting and also just that it's not like you go in and you have a style in mind and then they're going to take that style and feminize it or masculinize it based on what they perceive your gender expression to be or something mm. like that. Um, so I really wanted to go there and, and I loved it and I recommend it if anyone's looking for a haircut and is going to be in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but in like the moments after I was like, oh yeah, I feel amazing. This just feels like myself. Your and then four-year-old my like four-year-old self. self. What kind yeah. of things were people saying to you? Well, I mean, I guess it's just like people, you know, my band posted a photo of what was going on on tour and one of the things was that I had new hair and so... There was a lot of like positive feedback <laughs> and then uh, and then, you know, people just being like, I miss your luscious locks. They were so beautiful and stuff like that, which was like kind of, you know, whatever. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I probably should just be staying off the comment section of mm-hmm. <laughs> my Instagram <laughs> when I make massive look transformations or whatever. <laughs> but then in we played a show in Atlanta and... Uh, we were opening, we were like first of three band. We played for a half hour and this person yelled, uh, that's a very handsome man (laughs) at me (laughs) in between songs. And at first I thought they were like just a fan of the band who liked Peter because like that's something that (laughs) happens very often. Like, you know, someone's like, Peter's hot or like (laughs) whatever you know making some sort of asshat comment or whatever um and then I realized that they were talking about me because they yelled lesbian and uh I was annoyed for a multitude of reasons one being that you know how dare you assume that that's an insult first of all (laughs) Um, second of all, like I identify as pansexual. So (laughs) if you're going to yell something at me, (laughs) at least get it right. Um, yeah. And then also like this confusing moment of like realizing, oh, my long hair was like hiding this like queer facet Mm. of myself, which is strange that we're still living in a society that you know, makes assumptions about our sexual preferences and gender identity or gender expression based on the way we're choosing to cut our hair. (laughs) It's pretty stupid. It's 2019. Yeah. Everyone. Did you find that pre short hair transformation? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what, uh, like it seems to be a (laughs) landmark. (laughs) Did you find that, sometimes 
you felt you were being sexualized on stage at all or through I think uh I think that definitely when we started the band I was performing femininity in a way that felt um more like typical and empowered and at the time I was spending a lot of time at buddies and bad times Mm. and um and like was doing some performance stuff there and um seeing a lot of drag performance and learning a lot about gender identity and gender performance and like queer theory and stuff and uh and I think to me like I felt pretty empowered to be performing femininity in a way where I would like watch drag makeup tutorials and like wear a lot of leopard print layers and (laughs) (laughs) like slowly take them off and kind of try and uh, perform femininity with like this I don't know what to me felt like kind of a more masculine twist or something like that Mm. Um, and that felt good for a while and then all of a sudden it didn't because I don't I realized that I don't think that I was being like I thought it was hilarious to wear like tiny spandex dresses and thought that everyone understood <laughs> what I was getting at <laughs> and then realized that it's like oh no like the industry is different than that like the the industry is at least at that time too this was like back in 2012 20 yeah 2012 2011 something like that and uh and things were like far more binary back then and also because they were more male dominated it's just like you couldn't really uh go a day in the industry without someone reminding you of the fact that you're a woman Mm. (laughs) and so yeah and so then I think I kind of like also I like I used to bleach my hair back then and bleaching my hair was starting to hurt my scalp a lot and I was like I think I just want to grow my hair out and then the longer my hair got the more masculine I wanted to start dressing and appearing it was like (laughs) this weird like balancing thing um so yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just like, I wouldn't say that the amount that I felt objectified or sexualized had to do so much with like the way I wore my hair, the way <laughs> I dressed. It's just kind of like always there Yeah. sometimes yeah. and then other times totally not. Yeah, I, I wonder what it must feel like to have, uh, because... It's funny the way you talk about your hair and that experience. We've been talking about my hair for this whole time. You weave this beautiful (laughs) tapestry of, of, you know, who you are. And and it made me think, I wonder if only that person that yelled those terrible things at you could hear all those beautiful words about, like, who you are, why you made these certain decisions. And... Sadly, in those moments when people yell things at you, you don't have the luxury of saying all the beautiful things that you just said. So how did you feel in that moment? Uh, How did you deal with it in real time? Um, Because when you are faced with something like that, some people are really good at reacting. I've noticed I have a few friends that are performers. Mm. And um, if insults are hurled at them, they know exactly what to say they know exactly what to do um but I don't when I get criticism like that um I haven't had anyone like hurl insults to me on stage 
um, based on the type of music we do. <laughs> but I, I think like any time I've been in a situation like that, there's like a whole lot of processing that happens immediately. And I feel really stifled and um, uncomfortable. And I don't know what to say. So I'm just curious to know what you did in that moment when you're like, what? how dare he? Yeah, we went like... Uh, I think also like because this was we were an opening band taking up you know and even just physically on stage like there's one band's massive setup and then there's another band's massive setup and then there's the five people in my band trying to perform in this like tiny space <laughs> in between all of their synthesizers and like there's three drum kits on stage and so you're already kind of feeling you know it's like it's not your stage people haven't people aren't necessarily coming to see you and so that definitely had something to do with it mm -hmm. and then I think also having this I had you know cut my hair maybe a week prior or something so this was the first time that um that something like that had happened uh and so and I felt it felt like super disempowering and also really sad mm -hmm. and uh and I think I wished that in the moment I knew exactly what to do. Instead, I just performed the rest of my set in like a much more aggressive way than I usually did. I think there was a little bit like, oh, you want to see that? You mm -hmm. want to see that version of, you know, performance? Like, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to, I just felt like I wanted to be um, big and loud and not let that uh, break me. And I wanted to show them the opposite of being broken. And so we sang this, we had that's this song that we have, it's called Picturing Love. And it's actually about like how fucked up the male gaze is and uh, mainstream porn and like all of that kind of stuff and the way it affects uh, women and also men and just people in general and so I got to just like scream the lyrics to that song and and feel empowered in that way and then I got off stage and I uh, got back to the green room and I like hold up into a little ball and laid down and just told everyone what had happened and everyone was like very consoling and understanding and you know the 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 right amount of like back rubs and hugs and like cracking jokes about how fucking stupid that person <laughs> is um and then i and then i decided to like go out and talk to people which i think my instinct was like i just want to go to my little bunk and like <laughs> cry and go to bed and forget that today happened but instead i was like no i'm gonna go out there gonna you know see if there's anyone who wants to talk to us and stuff and i ended up having like a really great time talking to people who felt who had never seen us before and like a bunch of you know 18 year old women who just felt super empowered and were like that was fucking crazy <laughs> who are you what is this and and yeah and so I don't know made the the best of a shitty situation I think if it happens again I'll probably be better equipped mm -hmm. to deal with it I think it sounds like you I love the way you dealt with it I love, well, I love that you turned it into a powerful moment for yourself and for everyone watching. Like, it fueled a fire that I think 
burned for good (laughs) 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 and spread to all of the people who who needed to feel it so i like that story actually (laughs) hey thanks for (laughs) giving space to it Mm -hmm. yeah but on that note uh you mentioned before that i know that july talks first record came out in like 2012 correct i did a little little research (laughs) (laughs) um it came out like four times but the first time (laughs) was 2012 yeah i have questions about that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i'm just wondering what it's been like for you and your band um but particularly being uh I, do you identify as a woman? I think so. <laughs> I like. I kind of feel like a skeleton most days. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. But I want to say skeleton. a female presenting yes, skeleton. Yes, totally. Oh my god, best term ever. <laughs> female presenting skeleton. I, like I mean, that. isn't that all we really are? Yeah. At least it in this room. <laughs> I don't want to make kind assumptions of. about no, you. No, I'm there. It is with also some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Extra guts. Yeah. Anyway, so many guts. Um, but you've been um a female presenting skeleton in a band, sort of before, during, and and since the Me Too movement. Yes. And I'm wondering if you've noticed, like, what has that been like? And because also you're sort of in the public eye, you know, and like have you noticed changes or differences or what's your experience been generally of that changing tide? (laughs) I know (laughs) (laughs) it's a big one. (laughs) Yeah. It's a a large tide. Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to get both of your perspectives on this also. Yes, of, of course. course. <laughs> we talk about this quite a bit, actually. Yeah. yeah. On our own time and on microphone time. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think it's changed everything. And there's so many complicated feelings about how people have been fighting to be seen as equal human beings (laughs) movement after movement since the beginning of you know a certain type of civilization (laughs) (laughs) and so uh and so the fact that it took um stories about uh people being like disrespected in uh in sex and like mm-hmm. assaulted and raped and people you know stories about people being victims of um all of those atrocious things makes me kind of sad that's like that's as that's where it had to go in order for people and uh particularly men and like mainstream media and patriarchy and male-dominated society to like take this seriously Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but whatever (laughs) it (laughs) happened (laughs) i think it's i think it's a good uh 
thing. I think it sparked so many different conversations that were already happening among so many circles. And I'm like, can definitely, I feel like I can a hundred or at least 99% say that these were likely conversations that were happening among us and, you know, our friend circles and communities and, uh, and on the internet and, you know, Beyonce and, (laughs) 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 uh, and, uh, yeah. And I'm grateful for the fact that it's like sparked people into action and forward motion and that it's forced men to look at themselves. I think mostly in a positive way. I think it's also left a lot of people confused and a lot of people feeling victimized in yeah. a different way, yeah, uh, which I know you've talked about a bit <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast <laughs> from listening to you, and um, yeah, and I and I think in the in the music industry, it's like it's definitely it's been a huge paradigm shift, and and it's weird how the Me Too movement is like directly related to the fact that now we're finally seeing more diversity of gender and race and uh and sexual identity like within uh big lineups and you know festival lineups and um and now it's like it's it's i think even pretty rare that you'll you know there in living in toronto there was so long it was like decades and decades of just going to shows and the shows were so rarely anything other than four white dudes on a stage if you were like participating in in you know indie rock culture or whatever in Toronto and now it's like it's rare that you'll see that and if you see people or if people are trying to put a night together like that you know it won't be very long before someone interjects and like often not even a marginalized person just like one of their friends one of their white dude friends being like no 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 you can't do that anymore (laughs) um so yeah, it's changed. It's changed everything, and it, and it's so it's strange, kind of, that it like all seems to have stemmed from the Me Too movement, and uh, because it's like it doesn't seem like it's that related, but somehow it is so related. Yeah, when I dissect the the bomb, because there are all kinds of bombs that took place in history when it comes to women being abused and then confronting their abuser. I like the other, the uh, one I remember is, um, I wasn't around for it, but Anita Hill, um, and Clarence Thomas, Tom Thomas, Clarence Thomas. He's like the Supreme court judge justice that abused Anita Hill. This happened in the States and she's black woman. She stood up to him. Everyone ignored her. Um, but there was a large contingent of people that believed her, even though nothing really happened. It's like her, she suffered so other people could learn from the experience, essentially. Um, and uh, Clarence Tom- Thomas, Claire, I, I believe it's Clarence Thomas, that's his name. I think he's still a Supreme Court justice. and He just denied that he ever did these things to her. And she was like a very proud, beautiful woman faced with all these U.S. senators, these white senators that just kept asking her questions about what she did to tempt him into possibly doing things that he probably did. And when that bomb went off, things changed, but like it was incremental. And I think about the Harvey Weinstein moment and uh, 
how interesting it is because I think of him as a man, like even just visually, he looks like a like such a ghoul. Like he's a troll. Like he's like a caricature of a disgusting and I say this without passion, like disgusting is a passionate word, but he's like a caricature. He's like large and fat and he has like acne scars that he's probably scratched off his face and he has, he's missing an eye and he has a glass eye and he has no hair, like he has wisps of hair and he's sweaty and angry and ruddy faced. And he is like this, like he's a monster, like he looks like a monster. And so, like, it was such an easy villain to understand for people. It's, like, the idea of, of him touching, a, like, an actress, like, a beautiful actress. Do you think that that's what tipped it over the edge? I think it has it's a like, huge... we can villainize this guy because he's ugly. Yeah. And it's all like the... of these beautiful... And, like, Hollywood's so weird because people idolize and revere Hollywood celebrities more than anything. Mm-hmm interesting yeah i've thought a lot about it it's just the idea of of him such a monster touching a beautiful woman is abhorrent and to learn that he not only touched them without consent most likely raped these women i think was like anyone or i think most people that i speak to are like yeah that's awful we got to change something <laughs> something's got to change and then it like there's just like a domino effect of like gross looking men older and richer than you being taken down peg by peg and then it just got complicated as like the figures start to change and start to look more sympathetic you know like when they start to look like your neighbor or your friend and then people have to really look at themselves and be like oh they don't all look like this giant fat monster (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah yeah, it's that's also very fucked up that that's like what we needed in our western society (laughs) to be like ooh, hold on this is a problem the feminists are right (laughs) this guy (laughs) is disgusting yeah just look at him like as if it's somehow less horrible if the person is not as unsightly yeah as you describe yeah if anyone out there is listening to this podcast when it comes out and you have not seen a picture of harvey weinstein i think most people have i don't want to assume but just take a look i don't think i've ever like google image searched him check it out i have either i've just probably i will now yeah it's rough but like going back to your experience about like (laughs) presenting in a more multifaceted way and uh, i I think people are still getting used to particular particularly women being more multifaceted and being like okay i'm more than just like one thing that makes people feel very comfortable uh and a lot of, I know a lot of female musicians and people in the entertainment industry that kind of manipulate themselves in order to kind of fit something that's like palatable to a lot of people. But now I'm, I, I like see this beautiful change that you exhibit clearly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be people being like, oh, that's not, it's too, too many things for me to think about. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm used to long haired white ladies (laughs) (laughs) with a smile and a wink (laughs) yeah i hope that it 
keeps going in this right direction. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed a change in the way um, colleagues treat you? So like your peers, like male colleagues and peers. Uh, since cutting my hair? Since, or even just since the way. Oh, the Me Too yeah. movement. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I think, <laughs> I mean, like I have some very sweet male friends who have uh, just, you know, that the, they would like write me an email or send me a message just being like, hey, I just want to acknowledge that, uh, I don't know. It's like they're acknowledging their their maleness and acknowledging their uh, acknowledging, I guess, like just the changes that are happening, and then like my role in that and their role in that, and and just kind of being like, like I love you, keep going. Like, <laughs> I I see how this might have been harder for you in some ways, but not always, but like you know i believe in you keep going or something i don't know it's like yeah there's been there's been some of that for sure and i think also throughout my uh throughout our career as a band um these have been things that i've been like always tried to be somewhat vocal about and you know like being pretty adamant about hiring uh you know (laughs) non-white men no offense but just like that is generally when you're looking for techs or sound people or tour managers or you know anyone who who can be hired it's just like that is the generally the pool that you're the majority of the pool that you're that you're picking from and so um yeah we had we've had a pretty uh, steady tour manager and sound person work with us for I don't know be out on the road with us for like six years and uh, and then we kind of recently stopped working together and have now re found each other we all just kind of burnt out and needed a break Mm -hmm. Um, but but yeah, that's and that's always that always makes me feel more uh, empowered walking into a venue when you have a crew that's not just all men. I also, n- not to be an asshole, but I notice that the work that gets done is just better <laughs> somehow. <laughs> well, I wonder if that relates to feeling like you have to try harder because jobs won't automatically be be given to you or like you're used to scarcity because you're competing with all of these people who have held that spot for so long yeah yeah totally (laughs) and I think also to for people who don't fit into that one mold like how hard they've had to work and how much bullshit they've had to put up with in order to get to the positions that they're in they're just used to not having things given to them and working their asses off and and i think it also speaks to just like what the what a balance of like feminine and masculine energy coming together can do like the power in that and i don't even necessarily think that that has to do with 
gender expression or your sex organs <laughs> all of the time because I think that you know I've we've worked with a lot of uh, female identifying people with very masculine energy and a lot of male identifying people with, with a lot of feminine energy and when there's like a nice mix of all of it I think that's just like when it's the most harmonious it's a really nice place to be yeah well even within ourselves there's a mix of masculine and feminine energy and I think sometimes one is more powerful than the other in a person but I think always the goal is to balance them actually and pull from each one Mm -hmm. so because we are all just skeletons (laughs) you know and maybe yin yangs a bit too yeah skeleton yin yangs i want to say um that i think the world needs to be uh done with mean (laughs) male sound people at venues (laughs) oh yeah for sure i want to like say that clearly and directly um to whoever's listening um Everyone complains about it. <laughs> and I will complain about it forever until... Shout it out. I just have to because I, I'm i so... I'm, I'm, I go through cycles of just being bored of it, being nonchalant about it, then being furious. Just whatever show I play, there's always a sound guy there who does not trust me, does not understand what I'm doing does not attempt to try to understand uh and it's infuriating and I feel like I need to like it's cycling back I start start from the beginning every time have to like prove to the person that I know what I'm doing and then sometimes I'm too exhausted I don't care I'm like I don't need to prove to you that I know what but so I have a moratorium on mean old (laughs) not always old sometimes sometimes young But Anyone what can be a closed-minded asshole. Yeah. <laughs> what was your, Tara, your worst sound person experience? <laughs> I mean, a lot of uh, just commenting on how I look. Uh, one dude, this, I won't say where this happened, but I was walking to the stage and he said I had a big butt. What <laughs> the fuck? He started commenting about this my one. butt. Didn't you say he like, because it was a, a venue with a small stage. Yeah. And he kind of looked behind you and you're like, oh, like, I guess your your butt will fit on the stage yeah, or something like, your like butt's that. Gonna, yeah, it could fit. Or he just was commenting about my butt and he said it like a few times. A few times. But, but, but. but. <laughs> Were you playing by yourself? I wasn't. Was your whole band there? My whole band was there. Did they know that it happened? Yeah, they were just creeped out by it. Do they do anything? Say anything? They're all sensitive men, and they observe from a distance, and we, we talk through it. None of them are confronting people unless they feel like I'm in danger, which hasn't really happened. I've never felt like I was in danger. There have been a few times where I, someone creepy will come up to me, and then I'll see one of my band members kind of just step forward, kind of never confrontational, but just like crafty and savvy about it. But... Uh, my band is full of men and, uh, they don't really get any, of any, there are no trust issues for them. I mean, sure. Sometimes, um, mean sound dudes will be mean to them, but in a very different way, usually because they're 
exhausted or cranky or they're not like troubleshooting sound is really challenging so you can get really cranky but uh sound guys tend to trust them way more than they trust me and I feel such ire I get so angry sometimes (laughs) especially when I'm right about something some issue and then they challenge me on it or you just have a butt and I just have a butt a big butt (laughs) anyways I know people have worse stories though but that was one that stuck out because he brought up my bum a lot there shouldn't be any (laughs) of those stories did you complain to like the owner or anything didn't because Maybe you can tell me who it was. I know you probably don't want to say it. Yeah, I'll tell you off. Internet, uh, you can tell I can't me remember off. his name. I'll tell you where and how. But that was quite a few years ago. Yeah. This part can be cut out. But uh, if you want. Oh, yeah. Something happened to Tara recently <gasps> with a performer. And it creeped her out. I'm telling your story. No, you Sorry about it. that. Um, but she ended up the next day emailing the music director and saying what happened and he apologized and then had the artist apologize to you yeah which i was so proud of you for taking control hopefully an apology is enough i don't know but i think it gives that person pause like oh i guess what i what i'm doing isn't cool or isn't acceptable hopefully he has some (laughs) self-reflection yeah from that this can be a, a bit of a story time I'll story tell, time. I'll tell a little story. Are you story. all right with that? Yeah. You, don't have to, you don't have to. No, I'm so curious. I want to know all about this. Yeah. I want you to name all the names. It's all, um, <laughs> and again, anything can be cut out, yeah, yeah. but I'll tell this story. And this story is intriguing to me because of how innocuous this could have felt maybe at a different time. But I was playing a show. I was hired just as a side person playing trumpet in this, um, I won't name names, but. Uh, I was playing trumpet in a project um, and I was just hired to do a rehearsal in the show it was some festival out in the west end and uh, I uh, learned my parts I barely spoke to the lead singer because I didn't really need to there was a music director there and anything that was happening with the music was directed through him he was a lovely man Um, and on the day of the show I show up with my you know my outfit that I need to wear and I get dressed and I like head over to the stage and I'm hanging out with the other horn player and we're talking and uh the lead singer he's getting amped for the show you know he's getting ready getting prepped and then he like pulls me aside we've never really talked I think a, a few hellos and pleasantries but I don't really know him there's a lot of people like kind of a part of his little team um and he uh, pulled me aside and said, hey, uh, can I ask you a favor? I'm like, sure. He said, could you help me with my in-ears? I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, if, they, I, if you could feed them down my shirt. I'm like, oh. And I said yes without thinking. But, like, you don't know this person. And don't know them, yeah. Just a dude. Exactly. And I didn't... He pulled you aside. He pulled me aside right. out of everybody there. And... Uh, and once I realized what he wanted, I didn't touch him because I'm like, oh, I don't want to touch a stranger. He's a stranger to me. He put, and also I know how in-ears work. Like a lot of people can get them on, on their own. Like they're not that complicated. There wasn't plenty of time. Like he didn't have a complicated costume, you know, she had a shirt. So we started feeding his in-ears down in his shirt and it got kind of stuck. Like 
on his like on the back and he's like oh it's kind of stuck halfway and he was gesturing for me to put my hand up his shirt to pull them through or pull them down his shirt and i said oh yeah they're stuck uh you could reach under there with your other hand because he had very long arms <laughs> oh uh, you could reach under there and pull them down he's like oh, oh okay and then he did it himself and then he pulled them down and he's like thanks for the help ha 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 and wandered off and then the other horn player who was there was watching this all go down. He was a man. He's like, oh, should I, should I have stepped in? Like, what was that? Like, it was so strange that he pulled like the only um, woman in the area to do this thing for him. And uh, we didn't say anything until after the show. And I sent a message to the music director being like, hey, this was like really inappropriate. It's poor etiquette. I don't know this dude. I don't know if he is. I don't think from the sense that I got, I did not think he was a predator. I just think that he really wasn't thinking, he's not um, aware of how that could make a woman feel. And so I just told the music director exactly how I felt, exactly what happened, and that um, to let the singer know that this happened, it made me uncomfortable. Um, and he did. The MD called me and apologized profusely and was like, that wasn't appropriate. There's nothing, you did nothing wrong. He was really lovely. And then the singer sent me an email apologizing, saying that he had no idea. He had no idea. He was like, I had no idea. It was a really busy time. I was about to go on stage and I was just like in my own head and, and that's all fine and good. Um, but, uh, that is in a, for any men that are listening, which I'm sure there are, I think there are. Like, don't ask ladies to touch you. To put their hands like, up your shirt. Like, you know shirt. what I mean? Like, unless doesn't. it's like there's, there has to, I mean, obviously there has to be consent. Um, and I guess I did say, yes, I would help him. But it was like a very, very strange thing to do. Definitely. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, wasn't his whole regular band there? Yeah. Like, in terms of asking someone to get into your, you know, the personal space of this the area between your skin and your shirt like mm -hmm. isn't there someone here you know better than me a person you've never met before exactly who can help you and potentially have to touch your body yeah. like it's so strange that and like I'm sure you know maybe he could argue that it was a completely like innocent uh misinterpretation of like his own weird theory of why you would ask a woman to like because women know more about like what like have better fine motor skills mm -hmm. or like <laughs> know more about clothing or like mm. but maybe he thought it was gay I mean hopefully All not problematic all of it well yeah, yeah and also just like even making the assumption that you identify in a certain way or that like you know it's just it's all very strange yeah. all of it there's so many weird layers to that and i'm sorry that happened yeah that's why it's, it's the so most, weird it's an interesting occurrence because of how layered it felt to me because you're right you can make excuses for that behavior but you also can't so it's equal parts in me but you know how you felt yeah oh, in yeah. that moment and i like that you i don't think you you handled it so beautifully because you just 
straight up were like, hello, <laughs> this is what happened. This is how I felt. There are the facts. Do yeah. with it what you will. Like it wasn't. And also, yeah. yeah. And in the moment that you were like, it got to a moment where he was like, oh, they're stuck. And you were like, <laughs> you can deal with that yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just reach back and do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to touch you, bro. Bro. I, yeah. You know, to that point about feelings, it's a good time in the world when feelings are being valued a little bit higher. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, because I think not that long ago, it'd be like, well, what happened? What were the facts? You were hysterical, yeah. actually. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> you imagined everything. Yeah. Ah. Also, what were you wearing? Because that's probably... Did you have a drink? <laughs> oh, it's so sad and fucked up. Anyways, that's my story. Yeah. If anyone has any others. I... About what specifically? <laughs> it doesn't need to be about... It just maybe a time where you felt like disrespected. I've actually been... Uh, well, I, f- I feel like I'm still new and glassy-eyed to not glassy-eyed what's the word like (laughs) starry-eyed not glassy-eyed but like i i think i haven't had a lot of those experiences and i'm lucky and happy about that um the worst is just well in a live setting the worst is just i know that when i show up with a bunch of electronic gear oftentimes i think the sound person is like oh this female singer (laughs) who like probably doesn't know what she's doing but I don't mind it's fine whatever set up because I know that after I play they're gonna come on the stage or come you know help me tear down and they're always like that was so good that was great and so Mm -hmm. I just like at the beginning I'm like it's fine just yeah. like it's fine just watch me later <laughs> <laughs> like seriously but that that's like the the worst really um in a live setting so i've been just a lot of crankiness which is fine people can be cranky it's cool so yeah i've been lucky i'm sure you have some stories though uh, i've had some weird shit happen <laughs> <laughs> to me i don't know there was like there was a time where a guy like yelled show him your tits at me that was i don't know it's like a thing that happened from the crowd and yeah yeah uh i was in buffalo and this guy it was like this very quiet moment uh that had emerged on our stage and it's like everything kind of sucks down and it's like this very vulnerable pin drop moment and uh and this guy just I was like face to face with Pete and this guy just yelled like show him your tits and I uh very differently than the time that the person yelled that I was a very handsome man and a lesbian <laughs> in Atlanta. Um, in Buffalo, I was I, I reacted like in a very gut instinct way and was just like, I felt so violated on so many levels, like as a body, as a performer, as, uh, 
as a person in this like vulnerable moment feeling empowered to like take this quiet space in like a you know normally loud rock and roll venue or whatever and uh he yeah and and for him to like just think that he could say that I just felt so like who do you think you are and you know you clearly you know nothing about what this band stands for and is fighting for and uh and so I yeah so I called him out and like Pete called him out and we like my band stopped playing and we turned the lights on and like figured out who it was and got him kicked out and then <gasps> found out that he tried to punch one of the bouncers on the or no no it wasn't him his father tried to punch one of the bouncers on the way out of the venue so that was also an interesting twist to the story because it's just like oh that's where that came from for you <laughs> that kind of toxic uh behavior and it was uh yeah and I and it was like this really wild moment like that we were on the end of we had released our album in September and this was like mid-December the end of we'd just been on the road constantly and we were all exhausted and it was like the second last tour or second last night of the tour and just like so uh not <laughs> okay <laughs> with that and also you know I think I was like on day one of my periods I was feeling extra fiery <laughs> um, love it that, that little estrogen surge I was just like no <laughs> um and then yeah and then I ended up like writing an open letter to him the next or that night as I like laid in bed trying to fall asleep and kind of addressed it to him and just like society in general <laughs> and you know I think closed it with something like it's 2017 like here's to or maybe it was 2016 I don't remember but anyway it's just funny that I feel like we keep saying that every single like, year it's 2019 what the fuck is your problem dude <laughs> oh god uh, yeah well, anyway and there's like it kind of like had a, a little small blow up on the internet in the way that like you know a little indie Canadian band can or whatever um and it was interesting somehow it got a lot of traction in Brazil <laughs> I think because there's like a lot of um a lot of a, re a real big need for like uh counter voices to mm. like shit that goes on there and there's people who are working really hard to uh fight and fix some things um yeah anyway that was a that was kind of like the main that was one of my main weird things that happened where someone was trying to remind me of my femaleness <laughs> yeah it sounds again though even though the tactic was different but it became very positive in the yeah. end <laughs> with the letter well i mean all these things it's like your story too it's yeah. like all these things i think just make us stronger and and I'm also sorry. like being surrounded by a community of people who are like-minded and yeah going through similar things and being able to like process this stuff yeah uh with each other like it all 
Yeah, and I love everybody that. wins. <laughs> I love that in that moment, your band was with you, and they were like, "No, <laughs> small that stand." Um, I actually, if we're all cool with it, uh, this is a good segue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into the famous July Talk show because you guys. <laughs> Speaking of all this fiery intensity, you guys are um, sort of especially known for your live shows, which are very, can be wild and predictable and very exciting. Um, and I didn't know until I I did a bit of research about you <laughs> that you have a background in contemporary dance. Oh, yeah. And you've been dancing since you were like four or something? Yeah. The year of the the hair growing totally <laughs> i think i grew it so that i could have a ballet bun <laughs> yeah and bun heads, bun bun heads. heads. Yeah. <laughs> and i'm wondering it seems like and you mentioned also earlier like i think you mentioned um you know you spent some time at buddies and bad times and then maybe there's a bit of a performance art aspect true to your um your life <laughs> and I just think all of that stuff combined is so interesting and like how much of you as a dancer or you, I mean, playing music on a stage is performance art, but how much of you as a dancer, you as a performance artist melds into July talk? I think probably, (laughs) (laughs) good question. (laughs) I think probably a huge amount of it. I don't know. When I was a kid, I had, I remember being like pretty uh, shy, devastatingly shy. Me too. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and, you know, going to like my first day of school and crying and, you know, some, like someone talks to you and you just cry. (laughs) That kind of thing. I can relate to that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and then, and then the first time I, I went to go see my friend Yvonne in a dance show and and then and just kind of instantly fell in love with the idea of performing and enrolled for enrolled in dance classes and was lucky enough to be encouraged and financially supported enough by my parents to, you know, uh, go to dance school for my whole childhood. But the the one of like the greatest positive uh outcomes of going into dance was just that i found that being on stage helped me relate to uh my body and space taking in a way that felt really comfortable being able to have the control of uh how you're being seen mm. was something that really countered my shyness and allowed me to uh, be able to kind of overcome some of that shyness with people. Like it, it just kind of gave me confidence to be able to feel like I had control or something like that. And, and I always just loved the feeling of being on stage and then as soon as I got off stage I didn't really want people to like 
congratulate me or talk to me about what they thought of my <laughs> performance, especially if it was especially if it was complimentary, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that was like for me that's like that was so not what it was about. Like it wasn't about the glory of it or like being pumped up or something. It was like actually just that I had such a personal relationship to having that kind of control and and feeling like to be being seen by a room full of people but to feel empowered from it I don't know if I'm explaining myself it does and I uh for my own personal research I (laughs) I I kind of want to dig in a little more because I like you I throughout my whole life was a really shy person Apparently, when I was a baby, if a stranger looked at me, I would cry. And really? Then I didn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> that was like a really... That made me very We're sad. Just like, it's like, what? That's what, my, that's what my mom said. So baby Kira, first of all, when Aww. she was born, weighed 10 pounds. Wow. <laughs> and one and a half ounces fat, big baby. And then... Uh, Beautiful. <laughs> And my mom gave birth to me vaginally. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Go mom. Yeah, power She's to her. She's a superhero. Anyway, yeah. So she says I would wail. And also the the cry was like, like a f- the face would change and then silence, silence, silence. And she saw it coming like a storm, just like, and then let out this huge bellow. So obviously born to be a singer. (laughs) 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 But then as a kid, so shy and um, especially when it came to singing in front of people, I couldn't do it. And I had that experience a lot where just someone would talk to me and I would want to cry. And then so I bring this up because performance has been something in my life that I've been terrified of and that I've had to work really hard to become comfortable with and then take ownership of. And I'm still in that process on stage and off. I find even off stage, sometimes I have a really hard time being like, I exist (laughs) and that's okay. (laughs) Like I exist right here physically right now and that's good, like it's not a, a burden or it's not like like I'm not a see-through thing <laughs> like mm. and I even struggle with that sometimes less now than in the past but on stage I'm trying to I'm more and more I'm evolving but I'm trying to really hone like my stage self and feel powerful in front of people but it's been a process and so that's my autobiography um (laughs) (laughs) but I I bring that up because yeah like are you still shy or do you find that your relationship to dance and how it connects to your body is a tool that has like you mentioned it helps you overcome it but like do you feel like you have overcome that shyness or like has it just have you transformed into something else or is it something that you still struggle with I think it's definitely something that I still struggle with and will probably always Hmm. struggle (laughs) with. Um, But you, I think that we can learn to adapt and like accept that. 
<laughs> I have a therapist. My therapist <laughs> says <laughs> we all that do. <laughs> don't we all um, that we can't really change, but we can change the way we we react to you know our own narratives and triggers and mm. you know I'm sure you're both your therapists have said similar things to you. <laughs> um, and so I think that the it's like all about the journey of figuring out what are your personal best ways for coping. Mm. When we first started, prior to July Talk, I had a band with my friend Adrian Fraser, who just had a baby mm. called Scarlett. Congrats. Congrats. I feel horrible because I haven't met her yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's very adorable, and Adrian is amazing. But we used to have a band called uh, Mothers of Brides. And we performed around Toronto and and we mostly just wrote songs and played them for each other and we lived together and so we would have our band practices in our kitchen and uh and we and we the narrative we had of ourselves were like, Well, our band's not very good or 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 you know, these songs are I don't know if they're good, but like we have to play them anyway because we wrote them and someone has to hear them and uh and we would like try and we would do weird performance art thingies <laughs> while we were on stage and, and be really like awkwardly honest about who the songs were about, even if they were in the audience. <laughs> um, and that was like kind of our way of, of owning, uh, making that space our own, especially in, you know, we, there were no, <laughs> I think like Megan Bonnell. Oh, and, Brooke, who's uh, Brooke Manning Loom, oh, yeah, yeah. that project. I sing with her sometimes. She's a very good friend. <laughs> but um, those were kind of... Oh, and Rat Tail, which mm-hmm. is Jasmine from Weaves's mm-hmm. old band. All I was, I was and still am huge, huge fans of all of those people. But that was kind of like, you know, you can count those acts on five people. And those were like the female identifying humans <laughs> in the city making music and... Every single night, there was a different band to go see, but none of them were, uh, like very few of them were female identifying. Um, and so, I, and I think that because of that, we had a lot of doubt in ourselves and our project, and or at least, I don't wanna speak for Adrian, but at least I did, and that was like kind of a way of coping with feeling not good enough or not worthy or something like that. and. And I mean, I wish I could go back and watch them and and just like sit in the front row and be like, this is going great. Like, (laughs) you're killing it. Everyone here loves you. Um, Because I think that, you know, offering that kind of vulnerability, there's something really beautiful about that. So I don't think shyness should be a thing that we try and overcome. Mm, Um, We just work with it. But more, yeah, more a tool to use and just like, I don't know when like when July talk first started I had this poem that I would always read before I went on stage and like I would carry stones around with me I am a fan of the crystals I know you're <laughs> I've heard and I've heard you're a fan of the crystals <laughs> I was admiring your crystal oh yeah <laughs> And uh, I have a video that I watched before every show. <laughs> oh, yeah, is it the okay? Great. You explain. I watched from RuPaul Drag Race uh, season eight. I loved Chi Chi Devane. 
and I loved her lip sync of um, what's it called? Um, I'm not. And, uh, oh, and I'm telling, and I'm telling you, you, I'm not. You're gonna going. love me, Dream Girls. Dream Girls. Jennifer what's it Holiday. called? Jennifer Holiday. Dream Girls. I can't believe I'm forgetting the title. Anyway. And I'm telling you. Is that what it's called? I, I forget. <laughs> I feel like there are many lyrics in the song that could be the title. Anyway. Chi Chi's lip sync versus Thorgy Thor. <gasps> Did you watch it? Yes. This is like one of the only. <laughs> I haven't watched enough RuPaul's Drag Race, but this is like the only season that I've watched. It's the first one that appeared on Netflix. That's true. Yes. I think that's why. Yeah. yeah. Now they're all up. Yeah. Just, just saying. But um, so this is the one. That lip sync, I mean, there are many legendary lip syncs, but that one, I just, like, Chi Chi gives it. She gives it, and it's so inspiring to me. <laughs> and also, I love that song, and I love Jennifer Holiday's voice. It's just, like, the perfect thing. And I watch it before every performance to feel those Chi Chi vibes, because you just see, like, the, not desperation, but the the determination that she has and she's like meaning i mean she's just lip syncing the song for goodness sakes but she means every word she's like i'm not going like i'm like oh it's so good and i instagrammed it once and then chi chi messaged me a heart (laughs) oh my gosh that was like the best (laughs) best thing ever (laughs) yeah i get one of my top queens i feel like before shows i because i'm actually a pretty I don't know. I, I don't know even know why I say actually, but I'm an, in, like a true introvert and that I need quite a bit of time to process anything that's happened with people. <laughs> so anything that's happened with a person, there's usually equal parts time that I need to spend alone. And before a show is, uh, I, I probably mentioned them, this before, but I call them my pre-gig sads. I don't know why I assigned sad, but I notice that my energy just goes like way down. Like, I feel like a slow robotic shutdown where I like can't talk to anyone. I mean, I will, I will never, I'm never, I never, because I'm always like, I try to be considerate and everyone's working together and sometimes people need me before I play, but I usually find a way to disappear and I just need to like sit by myself and not talk to anyone. Because then when I'm on stage, I feel like there's so much energy that needs to come up. And then after that, then talking to people and like friends and family and people that come and, and I don't, I just, I'm so, uh, I used to feel bad about it. I used to feel really bad about my pre-gig sads, probably why I named it. I would tell (laughs) my band members like, guys, I'm having the pre-gig sads. I'm going to go hang out over Mm. there alone at the bar. (laughs) Be like, yeah, 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 it's cool, you know. But now I like, I'm like, no, this is my time. Now I think of it as like the pre-gig glads because it's like time that I can spend with myself. I usually try to do one thing similar to you. One thing, this is a new practice that makes me happy, something super simple. It's like, you know what? I'm going to get an oat milk cappuccino (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. small, like you know like a nut milk cappuccino 
something that I can digest and like a treat, like some small mm. thing that doesn't have to do with the performance, just something that would make me happy every day that isn't expensive, that's just small, that actually makes a huge difference. And like, I feel good. I have this one little tether, maybe. Tether. Self-care. Yes. It's beautiful. <laughs> have you ever seen that self-care bingo thing? Oh my God, no, what? <laughs> Go on. My friend uh, showed me this thing called self-care bingo, and I wish I had one on me. I have one on my fridge, but it's exactly what it sounds like, and uh, it's a bingo board, except each space is a different act of self-care, <gasps> and you can just kind of refer to it. Any, I mean, I refer to it like pretty regularly because it's just on my fridge, and it's a thing that me and the people that I live with like to do when we're together. At the in the kitchen at the same time just like did you and then you just kind of go through it and everyone says whether they got one or not and then the goal is to get a bingo <laughs> but they're just simple things like that like it's like I did something that I enjoyed I moved my body joyously I talked to a friend I was gentle with myself I brushed my teeth I got dressed I took a shower like things that are so simple mm. and under a different lens can feel like just tasks on a to-do list that you have to do but amidst all of the other ones just i don't know you're just always smiling by the end of it i want one yeah and I like go self-care. outside <laughs> like go outside is one yeah just go for a little walk do you um when you're in your pre-gig sads mm-hmm. so what it's yeah called? pre-gig sads or slash glads. glads they're both really your pre-gig state are you is your body tense or nervous at all or is it no actually super low energy it's very low energy i have a theory that you are your body's conserving energy yeah. for this thing you're about to do yeah but I'm not you, so I don't know. No, I think you're right. I don't have any, um, I just kind of feel a bit ragdolly. Just, uh, I don't get a ton of anxious, I get anxious energy in my day-to-day life. On stage, I actually find I'm pretty relaxed. It's more just like mental gymnastics, maybe. Mm. But I don't have like, uh, when you were talking about being a dancer, I was, um, I remember I watched a music video, I think when it came out, uh, and you choreographed it, right? Oh, don't, yeah. This was this is somehow a segue into a question, but like I <laughs> was like somehow I made it here. But um, I remember not knowing when I watched the music video that you were a dancer, and uh, it's a black and white video, and you guys are like kind of doing this beautiful push or pull it like. is push and pull oh it's push, it's and, push pull. and pull <laughs> i didn't even mean to do that but it's really a beautifully like shot like visceral um although pete looks awesome in that video yeah, yeah like so just intense. so like you I guys love it. like the kind of in like physicality and intensity that you guys both exhibit um it seems very natural and something that i struggle with quite a bit i'm like a pretty solitary like i don't i don't move a ton i've always like loved watching people that have like such command of their body that's why i gave you the noisy microphone 
Yeah, it's like I'm a statue. So Economy of movement, you know? Just small gestures, you know? Like, uh, but uh, I was going to ask you, I mean, you're a trained dancer, but Pete is, because he seemed very, like, you guys seem like a beautiful contemporary dancing, like, team or something. Like, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I, I watched the video a few times. I'm like, wow, this looks super cool. But it's, besides the video being shot very well, it's actually so much about the performance of you two cool. and that energy. So people, please check this out. Push and pull. <laughs> uh, tell us about that experience. Yeah. So that video is, I think, one of our favorite videos it's directed by an amazing toronto talent named nadia tan um who's amazing and uh i got to choreograph it and uh yeah and find like local toronto dancers some of who i knew from my time going to dance classes in Toronto and other people I'd never met before who just were amazing to work with. Um, and Pete, uh, Nadia had this idea for that kind of like uh, spastic body movement mm -hmm. and shooting it in slow-mo so that it becomes this, uh, it, it's pretty, I find it pretty mesmerizing to watch. Um, I think that I think that uh, there's something to be said for uh, dance, but then also just the act of or striving for embodiment uh, because I think both are pretty captivating to watch when you're seeing a performer do one or the other on stage but that an embodied performance is actually often more interesting than someone who is dancing or a trained dancer mm. and I'm no expert like I don't really know what I mean by that <laughs> but I think I know what I think I know what I what it feels like for me to feel in my body. I guess that's what I mean by embodied is just like the feeling of being a whole uh, entity of like your your soul and like your physical self. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many different ways to do that. And I think it has to do a lot with just presence. And for, for different people, particularly in a performance setting, there's so many different ways to tap in to that. And it can be as simple as <laughs> remembering that you're a human on stage <laughs> when you're on stage. It's really easy to, I think, get caught up in our own heads and our own fears and judgments and and the thought of like what people are seeing and what people are feeling from us and forget that I'm just like a sack of bones and skin and organs and a heartbeat 
And even just the fact that I'm like standing here breathing breath and having blood move through my veins is like this miracle and gift. Mm. Uh, Just to zone out for a minute on that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think that Pete is, Pete's a pretty intense person when he performs. And I think he does things to snap his body into that mode as well. And it's something that we have bonded over since the day we met. I remember the first time I went to go see his band perform, he was hitting a chain on a piece of wood as a percussion instrument. (laughs) (laughs) And I, in my band, I used to hit a giant atlas with a hammer for percussion. (laughs) Oh and bang God, knives cool. together. So we kind of saw this <laughs> meant to be <laughs> in each other. And that was like this interesting level of intensity or something like that. But he'll do things like he'll like slap himself in the face on stage. Some and Manson. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's like, but it's also a means of, I mean, it's like, it's hard for me to understand because I wouldn't slap myself in the face unless I was like having a really bad tantrum or something. But for him, it's like, I think it almost is a form of self-care or like of snapping into a version of himself that that feels more grounded or something like that. So I guess my question for both of you (laughs) is, uh, like, do you want to, do you feel good being still on stage? Like when you say that you watch people and you're mesmerized by their dancing, do you, is it something you watch and you wish you were doing? Or uh, like, do you feel empowered in your performance state? You know, I go back and forth because I think part of the way I've grown to perform is by kind of being pretty still and then doing what I can with little movements to bring everyone forward somehow. Mm. It's just kind of just maybe like a glowing, something glowing and then people being like, what's that? (laughs) And then finding their way to me, you know, and on good days, that's how I feel. And then I think, wanting to move more has a lot to do with like deeper things than being a performer because like when I was a child I was like a a heavier girl it's pretty heavy and I had all kinds of issues with my body I wasn't in control of my body and so it was beautiful the way you talked about how you had control or that there was a space for you to find control and how you're perceived. Cause that was something I struggled with quite a bit and being larger. And I also have a seizure disorder, which I haven't had a seizure in a very long time, thankfully, but, uh, you truly don't have control. You don't even remember not having control. They are just moments that are lost. They're lost moments in your life. And it all had to do with my body. And so for, Years now, I'm learning how, because my body was not doing what it could do or what I wanted it to do, my brain became this solace and a place that I'm like, well, if I don't have all of this stuff happening 
down here. Well, at least I have this. This I can kind of fire at all cylinders and go here, there, and everywhere. Um, but then as I started to get over these issues, when I started losing weight, and then when my seizures subsided, there was like this whole body that didn't really know how to be used. Like it's kind of like I I remember even just like walking around and like my like people swinging their arms and I would be like <laughs> trying kind of tin it on. man styles like to myself you know <laughs> tin man styles um and only now am I becoming more comfortable in like like understanding the full capacity of my body and it's pretty late in the game so I admire it and I don't know if I'll ever be the type of person that can like run out on stage and I don't know if that's meant for me, but there's this dream of understanding that side of myself, you know, does but that make I, sense? I think though, like the thing that's most compelling to an audience is to see the artist doing what is authentically them. Totally. It doesn't really matter what it is. And I, for one, when I watch you perform, the stillness, it's very meditative. And it's its kind of got this like mesmerizing quality, like the glowing object you were <laughs> describing. And it's like a part of it. And it's like, I wouldn't force, like ex I think it's, yeah, like explore the dream explore it mm -hmm. but i i don't think there's a need to force anything because i think what's most it's like when you're being the most authentic that's when you're the most in your body mm -hmm. that's my little thought oh you guys well it sounds like you're <laughs> able to like summon if you're able to summon a crowd towards you <laughs> yeah. without being like in toronto come <laughs> on everybody come closer to me <laughs> you know that's that sounds like some like you said authentic mm -hmm. embodied power well that's nice yeah i try to i try to think of it positively now therapy you know totally <laughs> that's just your perception yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was your perception <laughs> But you have, you're pretty, I think you're very physical. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Kira, um, Kira also, I feel like you're very in touch with your body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She like, whip, she can, she, she like is casting spells. She <laughs> whips her arms up and it's. Like, but it's, for me, it's weird. I don't think about it. I just, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't. That probably means it's working. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, my goal on stage is just to sort of disappear, if that makes sense. Mm. And uh, sometimes it works. <laughs> I, whenever I notice myself, like, oh, I am singing right now, ah, like <laughs> that, then I'm, then I feel off. But in terms of movements, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just having a moment. Like, I'm just there. <laughs> it's not very eloquent. I don't really. Sounds like <laughs> great present-mindedness. Yeah, totally. If the goal is, 
I mean, obviously, in disappearing, you're not to actually disappear. No, <laughs> but it's but the but I feel like I understand the sentiment of wanting to basically like leave your ego out of it. That's the thing. Like step out of the way so that something bigger than me can come through. I think that's my goal. And sometimes I felt um, like if I've got too much, not too much, but like gear that I'm working with in front of me, I find it uh, a bit stifling sometimes. And I'm trying to have a bigger band now so that I can do less uh, in a live show because I find I have to be careful around the gear I've like unplugged things and moved knobs and like <laughs> during live shows and it's a mess but but a, a human experience <laughs> and uh so I, I I think like when I'm on stage I just want to feel really free yeah that's it uh okay this is the question more for like my curiosity okay. <laughs> which I'll is see just what i can do <laughs> just about the the first self-titled july talk album uh-huh. i noticed <laughs> that it was released in 2012 and then something magical happened <laughs> and then it blew up in 2015 and from my, what I understand, went gold in Canada, and you guys got like a Juno Award and lots of cool Ooh. cred and stuff like that. Um, and I, I feel like that's really rare for an album to come out and then come out again, come out and then come out again, and then like and blow then up, right? So how to how and why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's know. cool. I'm so I'm so happy, but I. <laughs> I have no idea. I think partially <laughs> persistence. I'm sure much much to the dismay of many people who just can't, who just don't have the acquired taste for July talk. And there are so <laughs> many of them out there. And hey, no hate being thrown your way from this gal. I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, persistence. I also think that that sometimes things need to like just exist in the ether for a while yeah (laughs) when they're uh weird or something uh you know not that you know i understand i understand i'm in like a pop centric alt rock band so maybe we're not that weird we get played on the radio (laughs) but uh but I think there's a, a lot of things that are like slightly confusing about it for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, so like technically speaking, uh, we released the album on our first record label, which is an independent label in 2012. And we had our album release at the Horseshoe Tavern. Mm-hmm. And then it came out, uh, a year later with the help of Universal. It's also complicated because it was like there was EMI was involved somewhere in there, but then EMI was just became part of Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we realized that we just had to tour and that we loved 
touring and everyone had job like part-time jobs or full-time jobs in the city but we uh just like thrived and felt so alive being on the road and 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 found a really natural way to build an audience and which really kind of especially at the beginning just felt like meeting friends all over Canada and like you know you go to Regina or Saskatoon and play for seven people and make really good friends with them and sleep on their floors and then the next time you come back three months later they've all brought yeah you know their own five to seven people (laughs) and and then you know you've next thing you know you've like sold out the 80 capacity (laughs) pizza spot in in Saskatoon and and yeah and then and then we kind of we would keep writing and recording and uh but then would have different like have our album coming out in different places and then would have to go introduce the album down at South by and then go to Germany and then go to the UK and uh and so we kept recording but then songs just kept being added to the song to the album the first self-titled album as like deluxe issues (laughs) and (laughs) reissues and like the germany version and the netherlands version and the uk version and the australia ep or whatever (laughs) and so uh, and so we were able to like release our album once, release it again, and then <laughs> release it in a bunch of different places. And the whole time we were just touring, 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 and and honing the live show. Yeah. So it took some time, and and I think yeah, and I think a lot of it was probably just persistence and like not giving up and finding things to do. Like Josh and Pete uh, have always had a film company on the side called vulture culture films and they made a lot of videos for local toronto bands and so uh and so also i think no one in the band was relying on july talk as like all of the eggs in the july talk basket (laughs) like everyone kind of was doing other things i had a like live art feminist performance collective with two pals that I went to school with and we were always up to other things and uh you know putting on shows and 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 everyone was kind of like experiencing this separate identity from the band and then uh and so July Talk got to remain like pretty enjoyable Mm. I think that's probably why it survived because it remained enjoyable and like an outlet just like this podcast yeah (laughs) we talk often about how it's good to be more than one thing yeah yeah take the pressure off the things totally but i like that because um there's this idea of like what a record cycle is and the that cycle doesn't always give the work enough simmering time or enough life it's it's almost set up it seems this way anyway that like it comes out get some press tour it and then it just dies Mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know but it doesn't die it keeps on living it keeps on living in people's ears it lives when you play it uh when you play it live 
So I like this thought that it can come out however many times you want or like you can keep it going if if it means something to you and that's what you want to do. Yeah. And who knows what it would be like if it came out now. I mean, obviously, I think it would sound different, but the ways in which the industry has changed and how Mm -hmm. the idea of a label has changed Mm -hmm. and the idea of even an album not just an album cycle but like an album has totally yeah changed i'm still into albums so am i i'm still an album girl yes Yes. i'm making one yes there have been people offering unsolicited advice like just do singles yeah oh really put your singles up and I'm like, no, <laughs> like there will, be, there will be, there will be singles coming off of the album, of the, but I need to make thing. the thing. Yeah. I like large pieces of work, I mm. think. Yeah. It just feels so satisfying. Yeah. I agree. Speaking of making an album, <laughs> uh, that's my segue into <laughs> what are you up to? what's july talk doing what are you doing plug in time (laughs) not just july talk but anything that you are doing oh yeah well uh at this moment most of it is july talk (laughs) related um i maybe knew that yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) we uh we came off the road uh in kind of like the end of to 2017 and started working on a started like just writing new songs but also had a bunch of wild family stuff and health scares and life changes Mm. and a bunch of real life grown-up shit happening Mm. um and most of us were burnt out and didn't even know what that meant (laughs) and had to figure out what that meant for each of us individually and so it's been like a really it's been a nice settling of dust and learning process and um you know like you can only be so functional or productive as a human being if you're not home for nine months a year like or if you're only home for three months a year or whatever like there's only so much you can do in the way of uh fostering relationships with loved ones and having a relationship with yourself and your mental health and all of those things so there's been i think there's been like a lot of growing up that we've all done in this time where we've all been working on album number three it feels like there's been some needed changes that have happened in terms of team like we've recently switched management and we're working with um three amazing people at six shooter on their management company uh shauna decarche helen Britton, and emily smart um and it's been really great to be uh yeah, just like being, f- feeling like we're being taken care of in a different and new way. Not that we were being abandoned or not taken care of before, but uh, it was time for a shift. And, and it's wild how identity shifting, first of all, and also just um, how uprooted that those kind of changes can feel when you like have 
a certain climate and ecosystem around you for so long and then all of a sudden you change it so that it's entirely different there's so many things that have to fall into place so that's what we're doing right now um but we're also working on music we'll be in the studio like thursday friday this week we're putting some finishing tracks and finishing touches on our album uh we wanted to get it out as fast as possible and then have just kind of realized that it's gonna take a little longer (laughs) and we want it to be uh we want to do it right and we want it to come out in a way that's meaningful so it doesn't just not exist (laughs) um and uh and then also we're doing like we've done some other things in the in effort to you know try and (laughs) try and be the change we want to see at the world Nice. I'm sorry. That sounds so cheesy. Be it's the just, change. It's like I, I don't know why. I feel like I saw that uh, like a meme on like a cloudy sky or something, and it just came <laughs> out. But um, we've been <laughs> we've we've developed a relationship with this school that's in Thunder Bay called Dennis Cromarty or Dennis Franklin Cromarty High School, and um, we wrote a song with some of the students there, and they're putting on a festival that we've kind of like helped out with a bit and uh it's kind of meant to bring an non-indigenous and indigenous audience together in thunder bay to kind of celebrate the universal language of music Mm. um (laughs) but also to kind of look at some of the serious problems that have been going on there for a long time so that's going to be uh september 14th i think september 14th and 15th a day of workshops and then a show day in uh thunder bay it's called wake the giant Mm. we're also playing with our friends weaves and taylor knox at the danforth music hall uh, on september 6th for indy 88's sixth birthday (laughs) (laughs) we've been planning that that's gonna be fun um and then yeah just like trying to figure out how to make sense of this thing we made and also uh, not be too terrified about how it's going to exist in the ether of either 2019 or 2020 who knows when it will come out but you know it's like a when I look at the way the world has changed from when me and pet when me and Pete met in 2010 to like the album coming out in 2012 to another album coming out in 2016 to like now four years later it's like there's so many nuanced ways in which the world has changed and what it means to be an artist has changed and everyone's accountability to like their own messaging and activism has changed uh what it means to take up space has changed in so many ways and uh Yeah, there's like a lot of care being taken, I think, across the board with all of us trying to like just figure out how to not turn this raging dumpster fire into a even bigger dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) We want to help. Yeah, we want to help. You know, we were all raised thinking that we could help or... Well, if we all do help, so if we all show up with little pails of sand, exactly. If enough of us come, we can put that fire out. 
Yes. You heard it here first. Sand. (laughs) Be the change you want to see, people. Yes. I can't believe I said that. It's true. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Who said that first? Is it Obama? I feel like it's before Obama. Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm just trying to think of any name. I don't know why. I don't even really watch hockey. I don't. I, I shouldn't say really. I don't watch hockey. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I was so trying to think amazing. of some large Canadian. Imagine it was horse. Wayne Gretzky actually playing it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, Wayne. All right. Do you feel good about this? I think so. Do you feel good? Do you feel good about this? I feel great. That was lovely. Do you have anything else you want to? Add? I mean, we didn't talk about our natal charts, but. Maybe we should just get together and have wine sometime. Yeah, that's yeah. Talk about yeah. Hey. That'll be another hour at yeah, least. Totally. Cute. Got some <laughs> stuff to say. Well, uh, we really appreciate you being here. This Thank has been you for having me. Very lovely for us. And yeah. we're just very happy. This yeah. wasn't scary at all. Yeah, I was feeling a bit intimidated. God. <laughs> <laughs> You're so pro. No. Yeah. This now is you a yelling. great podcast. But now you have a behind the scenes look, so it's great. We're a ragtag. <laughs> Would <team>. recommend. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> Would come again. You Yay. heard it here. Nathan Fielder, come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever cross paths with that person. Like, have you ever heard of Girl of Fair? <laughs> they tag you in their Instagram every day. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> managing his social media posts and not telling him about us. They're like, what's a Grillith and why do they tag you so often? <laughs> what's a Grillith indeed? Anyway, maybe we'll find out this year. In 2020. In 2020. <laughs>